I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. Yo, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Celtics Pod. We're coming to you today because we had some technical difficulties over the weekend, so I apologise for not being with y'all on Monday. But hey, you get us today, you get us tomorrow, you get us Friday as well. As usual, I'm your boy Adam Taylor, bringing you more Celtics content. I'm joined by Mr. Tim Shields of Celtics Blog and CLNS Media to go back over two good wins and one bad loss. Man, it's been a roller coaster. The one thing that stayed uh, very consistent at the moment is the defense is not good. Before we get into that, how are you doing today, Tim? I'd be doing a little bit better if it wasn't such a train wreck last night. The Patriots lost, the Celtics lost, so it's been a little bit ugly for Boston sports the past 24 hours. But besides that, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I've seen some people online saying, you know, oh, Joe Mazzulu isn't the right guy to lead this team. I was like, no one was saying that when they were winning. So I just want to start off by saying, yeah, he got ejected, but he got ejected trying to back up his player. Uh, my take on that is very much if you're going to give Tatum a technical for showing emotion, you should be giving Vucevic a technical for doing something very similar. Again, that's not our decision. I, I try not to blame referees for anything because... You know, that's kind of a scapegoat excuse. The number one excuse for why Boston lost was they just could not contain Nikola Vucevic in that pick and roll. He was getting whatever he wanted. He was getting solid post position. When he picked, when he popped, everybody was kind of sagging off him a little bit where they should have been pushing up because he's a solid three-point shooter. And then his size was an issue along with Andre Drummond's size when Drummond was in the game and pick and rolling as well. The lack of rebounding, especially defensive, it's going to be an issue, and I think this is the type of game where you have Robert Williams in that rotation, and you run a, and then you run a double big, and you can have him in that roaming role. Things look very, very different. You can't punish Boston the same way when you have a Robert Williams there. But they didn't, and the, the Celtics just really failed to shut down that pick and roll and to shut down those fast breaks in the second and third. Yeah. Yeah, and I I think one thing that bothered me the most was the fact that they let their offensive game dictate how they were going to get back on defense. They started the game out hot. I mean, they had a 39-point first quarter. I think they went 8 of 10 from 3. And then as soon as those shots stopped falling, they weren't getting back in transition. They were giving up a lot of rebounds. Um, in terms of defensive rebounds, the Bulls, I think, edged them out 46 to 31. So the rebounding is not there with Rob. That was kind of expected. And they just don't have one to anyone to replicate what they're getting from Rob usually. And so this team is not only trying to figure out how to defend in a new system under Joe Missoula. Granted, I get it. It's not a complete bare bones restructuring, but it is a new head coach. And you don't have Daniel Tice anymore who I, for one, I think he knew the system pretty well. I think he could lean on him defensively to an extent, and I don't think that they have that right now. Al Horford's a little bit older. No Rob right now, so they don't have the same rim protection that they usually have, which means that everyone else needs to communicate and everyone else needs to compensate. And right now, I just don't know if I see that effort. Um, Again, you're talking about a team that's 3-1 and right now. So 
outside of one really, really bad loss where they blew a 19 point lead in the first quarter. Um, it's been pretty good so far. The one issue, of course, yeah, is the defense. And I'm really just wondering, does this kind of stuff get fixed when Rob comes back? I know it's not going to be instantaneous, but how can you fix it in the meantime? How can you adjust to make sure that you're not hemorrhaging points? You're not hemorrhaging rebounds. I mean, let me let me just double check that final rebound number. But I mean, for me, it's going to be along the lines of, hey, like, we can't always rely on Rob being healthy because throughout his career, Rob has been unavailable just as often as he's been available. So we need to know that we can defend at a high level without Rob in there. And they managed to do that at the end of last season. They managed to do that throughout the playoffs when Rob wasn't at 100%. But the difference is now they're playing offense at a higher tempo. There's a lot more ball movement. And it feels like they've just, there's no balance right now, right? Like I've said this a bunch across multiple podcasts, across multiple social media posts. There's no, it's no good being a top 10, top seven offensive team and being a bottom five, bottom eight defensive team. And it's no good being a top four, top, you know, top 10, whatever defensive team and sucking on offense. If you go and look at like the Atlanta Hawks, they're consistently one of the best offensive teams in the NBA, but they cannot stop you that you're just going to rain points on them and they consistently fall short. And what we're looking at now is Boston are definitely leaning into their offense more and they should do. They've got a superstar or a, like, you know, a, budding superstar in Tatum, a guarantee, like, you know, a bona fide all-star in Jalen Brown. Derek White is all of a sudden playing like he's Ray Allen. Marcus Smart's fantastic. Like, you know, he's hitting his freeze. You've added Brogdon and whatnot. You're meant to lean into your offense, but finding that balance, adding that, figuring a way to be like, I don't know, top seven in offense and top 10 in defense, that's where you're going to find the money right now. And once Rob comes back, that defense will evidently just increase that little bit. And Rob's rim running will allow you to keep that tempo going anyway. But for me, it's got to start with containing pick and rolls. It's like what it's the most common action in the entire NBA. And you got cooked with it by two different guys. Now, I don't think Daniel Tice being there would have changed much. Tice always struggled against physicality. Vucevic and Drummond are two very, very physical bigs. They would have just bodied him the same way they bodied Van Lee, the same way that they gave Al Horford a tough time. You've got to find a way to limit that penetration off that high pick and roll. And one way that I've, and I mean, I tweeted about this earlier today. They last season, what the Celtics did when, you know, if Rob was sitting or Al was sitting or whatever, Udoka would get his guard to do what's called a veer back. So the guard would switch onto the big and get in front of him and under his legs. So then they can't push their way too far into the paint. So you limit the depth of that penetration. Then if the ball finds the big, you send help. And now the big guy have got to take a really contested shot or they've got to kick the ball back out, you know? So that was an adjustment I was expecting to see and we didn't. And that's fine. You know, the coaching staff know way more than me. But my, my point being is you need to be able to contain a pick and roll. You need to be able to build out to the ball in transition. What that means is to get one, the first guy back gets protects the rim. The next two guys back, pick up the shooters, and then you build out back to the perimeter. And we weren't seeing that. Everyone was just sprinting back, picking man to man, and then back cuts were coming or 45 cuts. And they were just getting carved open. And it's just not something we're used to seeing. And I think Missoula will get there. I, I genuinely believe that they'll find that balance. But right now, I'm not sure whether it's they're too busy trying to leak out 
after a shot or they're too busy trying to funnel guys into shooting so they can leak out or it's simply the offense has kind of taken their focus away from being so defensively minded and let's not lie we're like we can't lie Chicago wasn't the only game where we saw that defense struggle, right? Like they struggled to contain the Orlando Magic. And I know like I'm big on Orlando. I, you, everyone knows Cole Anthony is one of my favorite guards. I'm, I like Franz Wagner. Um, Bancaro is going to be a stud, like a stud stud. He's going to be really, really good. They've got offensive firepower, but no disrespect to the Magic. They're still a rebuilding team. They're young. They're still learning how to win at the NBA level. And you let them cook you for, what was it, 120 points? Um, final score, I can check on that. but It's um, around about 120. It was right? a lot. It was yeah, a lot. And you're letting, 126 to 120, yeah. There we final. go. So you let them cook you for 120 points. That's a rebuilding team, dude. The, the Celtics from last season, midway through last season, may I point out, onwards, Orlando wouldn't have dropped 95. You know what I'm saying? And that's the yeah. difference. And I think it's definitely a work in progress. But let's be honest with ourselves. This time last season, the Celtics didn't have it going on either end of the floor. And you've got to give guys time to adjust and to adapt. And the season's just started. So I'm not I'm not feeling too bad right now. But there's definitely some areas that need some sharpening. Yeah. And I, I think that's a given for most teams this early on in the season. And you, again... I have to keep going back to it because I think it's really, really easy to forget considering how they came out the gate, but we have a new head coach at the helm right now. He's still learning to find his voice. He's still learning to run an NBA team. And granted, he's an experienced assistant, but now he's a head coach. And so it's it's all new water for everybody. And you've got a couple new guys in the system. You've got a new big in Noah Vonley that's all of a sudden been shoved into a major rotational role. Um, you've got no Rob, you've got an older Al Horford. I keep coming back to that because I think we need to acknowledge the fact that they need to find a way to make Al's life easier with Rob out. I, I'm worried about his minutes already. Like I, that's just my concern just because of his age and everything. They didn't play him on the back-to-back going into the Orlando game. And I also want to say that Orlando's size is definitely a big example of what the Celtics are going to struggle against this year. Cause that was a long team and they not only were sizable, but they also have shooting ability. So like those kind of teams are going to give the Celtics issues. It doesn't surprise me that the bulls also gave them issues as well, because there you have some really, really good offensive players and Vucevic um, because of his size gives them major issues as well. Like he's a very gifted offensive big, but they didn't really do enough to try and punish them on the other end of the court. And that's where, that's where the consistency is going to kill them, right? Because I think last season they had issues with offensive consistency. And it wasn't until like the tail end of the year where we really, really saw them light it up, be consistent on both sides of the ball, and they just started ripping off wins. And so now you're looking at this team needing to be consistent on both ends of the floor. They don't have the defense that they usually do. And part of that's probably... You know, Rob's not there too. It's just they're playing different defensively, and they've got new guys in the fold who need who don't even know how they used to play defensively. So you're trying to get a bunch of guys caught up on the same page with that. And then if the effort's not there consistently on offense, then you're gonna get burned. So it's really just a matter of staying consistent, staying level, and staying the course. And I just don't know. I don't know how long it's gonna take for them to find that groove, but I'm confident that they can for what it's worth. 
Um, I, I think right now, offensively, they just need to be consistent with the shot selection. And I think you had a really good point there where you're talking about pacing in terms of pacing, keeping it level. So you're not, you know, trying to go too fast that you're gassing yourself out and you're, you're not able to get back and play solid defense, but you're still playing with enough pace and choosing and pick and choosing when you're going to change speeds in order to catch defenses off guard. I think, uh, the one thing for me is the, the the consistency with the offensive approach has been there up until the second quarter against Chicago. And then everything went back. I mean, it was a play where you heard Marcus Smart scream at Jason and Jalen to move the ball. He was in the corner. He was just like, move the damn ball. Like he, he was not pleased because all of a sudden we've gone back to that single possession, high pick and roll. The ball's not moving. Everybody's stationary. Then we're seeing the freeze get jacked up or we're seeing contested lanes. And that's not been where the success has come for Boston this year. It's come from we drive, we engage the low man, we engage the tag, um, the big man in the middle. As everybody sinks in to take that, now we kick it out. Then we swing it again until we find an, a wide open shot. And it's been legitimate. And then when we're not doing that, we'll get into some actions. We might, and you know, if we're in transition, we'll run drag or white or whatever it may be. But we'll get into our actions and then we'll flow into some form of high caliber offense quite quickly. And then all of a sudden, Chicago punch you in the mouth, which is probably the first time Boston have really, like someone's landed with bomb on Boston, you know, like that right hand bang straight down the middle onto the nose. And all of a sudden, the Celtics are a little bit shook. And it's like, man, sometimes you need to get tested and you need to kind of get rocked and lose. So you know that like, hey, we're better than this. Like I'm hoping that this this type of loss is the type that should galvanize their defense back to a level that we saw last season, or at least something that gives us a semblance of it. At the moment, defensively, the team's unrecognizable. It's like 2020 Orlando bubble type defense, but worse. It's just so porous, uh, and I think that's the best word for it. It's just a porous defense, and they've been so reliant on offense. Now, the thing is, and we said this last year, right? Eventually, the ball's going to stop dropping. Like Offense does have a shade of luck to it. Obviously, there's execution, there's talent, there's shooting ability, blah, 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 but there's always a shade of luck, and sometimes the, the shots just don't drop. Defense is 100% effort, hustle, and preparation. You can hang your hat on defense because you know that it's always going to be there when you lock in. And that was Udoka's mantra too, right? Like, hey, if we're, a, if we're a solid defensive team, the nights where the ball's not dropping, we can still win. And for this team at the moment, it's like, hey, when the ball's not dropping, we don't have a chance. So there's definitely got to be some film work done and hopefully they can start coming back and finding that balance between offense and defense. And it was the same against Orlando, it was the same against Miami. I think Miami were a bit beaten up at the moment. And I think at the moment, everyone's kind of rating Miami like they were two years ago. Whereas right now, they got weaker over the summer. You know, they are uh, Markeith Morris left, PJ Tucker left. The only guy they really bring in is that, um, what's his name? I can't remember his name. Is um, is it a European guy that drafted him? Uh, Nikola Jovic. Jovic, there we go. That, <laughs> oh, and, and then that's it, right? They lose Dragic as well. Dragic heads over to Chicago. Oh, right, yeah. That's, a, that's an underrated one, actually. So Miami just, and they're all a year older. So Butler's a year older. Cole Lowry's like close to drawing a pension at this point. Like it, it, They're definitely getting older. So I think that, you know, a win over Miami is great, but Miami to me just aren't the team that everybody expects them to be this year. 
So you have three games, two wins, one loss, but the defense was bad all the way through. It's been a common trend to start the season. It's just we don't speak about it when they're winning. Yeah, and I well, and I think that's also the big thing, right? Like we have to keep in mind when there's changes like this, e- even this early on in the season. Just because the team's winning doesn't mean there's stuff that they can't improve on. But I think like most people, when they were looking at these first couple games, was it was very clear that the defense was not what it was last year. And I, to an extent, I didn't expect them to drop off this hard, but I did expect there to be some growing pains, some kind of you know, trying to get back into the swing of things and just being consistent again. You know, it is a new season. Um, they made the NBA finals. They're coming off a deep run, but there's still some changes in their roster, changes in the rotations. You know, you're you're trying to incorporate Malcolm Brogdon into it. I mean, you did have plans to have Gallinari, but obviously that's not happening. And you were probably figuring that you were going to have Rob to start off this year. So there's a couple different things that probably threw things out of whack. But again, I think what you said about Udoka um, and the way that he kind of praises defense and saying you can always hang your hat on it, that's sort of what the Celtics need to get back to because I think that makes things a little bit easier for them offensively. You know, you're not worried too, too much about when shots aren't falling because, okay, if we get back, we get a stop here. We bring the ball back up. That, that's like a net gain. Defense can create offense. I don't necessarily think that offense can create defense. You know, it, like you said, you go through shooting slumps. Shooting slumps are going to happen for anyone. And I think if you're just, if you're completely dependent on your offense, lighting teams up for 110 points every night, it, if you're not playing defense, it's not going to matter. Well, the best, the best transition defense is to make it shots. Teams can't attack you in transition when you're making when you're scoring buckets. Don't turn the ball over, make your shots, and there will be no transition offense coming back at you. Because by the time a team's even inbounded the ball, two, three, four of your guys are already set up in a half-court defense. So that's the only time that offense can kind of create defense is hey, make your shots, dude. There'll be no transition. So that's the only time. Now, we've kind of spoke about that now. I don't want to keep hammering on that same drum. So we'll move over to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and what we've seen from them. And we'll we'll speak about some good stuff right after this regularly scheduled break. Bad night in terms of the team, you know, Tatum picks up another tech for what we can only call petulance. Fine. I don't care. If you're playing with emotion, that means you actually care about the result. I know a lot of people are like, oh, he needs to become more mature, blah, blah, blah. The dude's what? 24. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, how mature was everybody else at 24? Are you not Are you not in your 30s right now playing pickup down at LA Fitness, getting upset when somebody fouls you? Are you not are you not shouting foul down at LA Fitness? Is that's what's happening? Run and shoot, depending on where you are. Like someone fouls me, I'm calling foul, bro. Like so I, that's my mentality. I I know people I'm in my 30s. If I play pickup and somebody fouls me, I'm like, yo, that's a foul, bro. And then there's gonna be a disc- a, a heated discussion. So we're getting upset Tatum for doing exactly what everybody else is gonna do. And I get he's superstar or a, a potential superstar, and he's being paid a lot more money than we are down at LA Fitness and blah blah blah. But at the same time, he's still human. And when you feel like the calls aren't going your way consistently, which definitely felt like it was a trend, 
you're going to pick up a tech. But beyond that, and I just wanted to point that out because I know a lot of people are going to be like, yeah, actually, I do I do get a little bit heated when I think I've been fouled, you know. So it's the <laughs> same thing, right? Like Tatum ended the game, 26 points, eight rebounds, five assists. His off-ball movement was good. His screening work was good. Jalen Brown kind of called off over the after the first two games of the season. He struggled against Orlando a little bit. I felt like he was forcing things. Again, he went 28.6% from three, two of seven shooting, eight of 23 from the field, 34.8% shooting, six rebounds, two assists, two blocks. I think they're putting Jalen in positions where he needs to handle the ball a bit too much compared to what he was. And like that's not saying that Jalen can't handle the ball. Like He only had one turnover in the last game. But the difference was in games one and two, and I know I annoy people with this, he was operating as a play finisher. He was catching the ball on movement, pulling up and shooting, going to catch and shoot or a one-dribble pull-up. Or he was ripping through with the ball and just pressuring the rim, exploding, using the athleticism. It feels like he's doing a bit too much on the top of the perimeter. He's not really getting the same looks that he was. And then he's kind of forcing the issue a little bit. Beyond that, Derek White kind of called off from three, one of five. Marcus Smart went three of five. So, you know, Marcus Smart and Derek White, they're just passing each other the, the Ray Allen kind of... Um, wristband like hey you be Ray Allen tonight no 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 you be Ray Allen tonight I want to lock in on D and that's just the way it's going Brogdon this was probably in my opinion one of his least impactful games to start the season Van Ley was in my opinion he was just dead like they're just he didn't give you much the, we started to see a bit of that over dribbling that I had an issue with before they acquired him but overall I think the team are actually playing quite well there's a cohesion there over the first four games, it's just they got punched in the mouth and they didn't know how to respond. Now, Tatum is a man on a mission. Can we agree on that? Can we agree that Tatum is a man on a mission? 100%. It's like Tatum is Indiana Jones, right? And he, he he's just trying to find that lost treasure. And that lost treasure is because he lost the finals. And then Jalen Brown is also a man on a mission, but I think he's just going about it in a bit more of um, a Jalen Brown way, right? A little bit more understated, a little bit more calm, collected. But hey, we got that finger wagger and bead during the opening night. He was wagging his finger like, yo, we ain't taking that. Don't mess with us. Al Horford, I'm fine with Al Horford. Like you say, he's like, what, 36 now, 37, 50, like around those ages. Um Overall, dude, I think this roster's got all the talent it needs. They just need to figure out how to gel together. Now, when we look at Tatum as an individual to begin with, how do you feel about what you've seen from Tatum on both ends of the floor? Because I think he's been one of the most consistent defensive players as well. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think so far his effort has been there. And even with the technicals, like he's gotten a couple, obviously, including getting the ejection in that preseason game. He cares. He's invested. And he was saying the same thing after the Magic game, where he came out and said, you know, we, we need to play better than what we did tonight. And that wasn't a win. He was like, we, we can't get away with playing defense like this. Like, And he felt comfortable saying that. And he also, not on top of that, like he doubled down on it in his actual post-game press conference. Um, originally, he said that first bit um, to Abby. And so now you, you've got a guy who's starting to, really turn into a leader. And I think this is someone that you can you can turn to to actually impact this team both offensively and defensively. I think right now he's doing everything you need him to do offensively. You want to see a little bit more ball movement, but he looks confident. He's getting to the cup. Um probably the one who got most consistently to the line against the Bulls and they were what? 
10 of 12 from the line. So they did not have many free throws compared to the Bulls, 26 of 29 from the free throw line. Um, but he was six for six. So like he's getting to the cup, he's getting fouled, he's making his looks. And on top of that, like that three point shot looked a little bit better against Chicago. So I'm going to like, I'm going to take those little like wins I can in these ugly, ugly losses. Besides the fact of just saying the Celtics defense didn't look like it needed to. Um, I, I I think right now, Jason Tatum has to be in, in consideration for MVP. Um, yeah, it's, it's so early in. on. We're four, yeah. we're four games in, it's but four games like, in. he looks excellent. Yeah, I mean, like, we let's just, not sugar we just saw him play with the week, man. Like, isn't that enough for right now? Like, yeah, the, um, small, small micro doses. I think, for, yeah, like just micro dose the awards, dude. Like, because my, my outlook on it is it's all well and good saying he looks like an MVP in that, but external pressure to do these things and to win these awards or to even c- care about them in general can be a factor in performance levels, right? Him, like, Tatum might be like, yeah, I don't care about MVP. I want to be, you know, it'll come if I play at a high level and we make it, we do this and we finish, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, when it's being discussed everywhere, socials, you know, these guys are on socials. They probably, like, we know for Kevin Durant's, like, kind of made burner accounts, like, more well-known, but I'm sure all these guys have burner accounts. There's probably been the time where we're like, yo, you don't know what you're talking about, dude. And on the other end of the phone, it's like Jalen Brown, like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like they see and hear a bunch, and I don't. I'm I'm kind of trying to avoid the MVP talk because not that I'm saying they ever listen to what I've got to say. I'd be really happy if they did, but it would be highly unlikely. But because I don't want to be part of that crowd that's putting pressure on someone's shoulders when they're already trying to do something incredibly difficult by winning the championship. No, Tatum wins them like you know. If I have to choose between Tatum winning MVP and the Celtics lifting banner eighteen, like sorry, bro, you're, you're, not, you're title. not winning an MVP this year. Because... Well, he does that too, though, and that's the good thing, right? Yeah, but what I'm saying is, like, if everyone now for the next eight months the narrative is Tatum for MVP, that's going to affect you, whether it's consciously or subconsciously. That's going to start playing a part in the way you play, and you know, do you start? And we know Tatum said this before, like when he was just trying to win, earn an all-star appearance he'd come back like man look at my numbers i didn't get the shots i needed didn't make you know i remember him talking about that it could be the same and that's what encourages more isolation more hero ball and whether that's consciously or subconsciously it's not still something that i'm trying to avoid just because i don't want to be part of the problem mm-hmm. i want to be part of the solution <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah yeah i get you i get you you know who else is part of the problem uh-oh who it may okay because he's not there. Part of the problem. No, I'm joking. Um, seriously, part of the other than that, I don't think anyone's part of the problem. Marcus Smart's holding guys accountable. Al Horford's always going to be your vocal leader. Brent Williams had his worst game of the season so far. Yeah, that he, was, he was bad on both he, sides. He needs to reel it in with his cool man. He 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 is getting himself into problems that he does not need to. He's he's constantly complaining to refs. And last night, you know what? He deserved that. He, you know, he got back-to-back foul calls called against him. I think he got heated. Um, he ended up getting called for a blocking foul. And as he got up, he kind of brushed past the ref. It, it was avoidable. It was avoidable contact. And he got thrown for making contact with an official. He earned that. You know, it was a tough whistle last night, but like you can't you can't do that. You can't just do that. So if anyone ever grew up listening to like new metal back in like the new metal era, there was a band called Limbiscuit, and they used to say you're writing you're writing checks with your mouth that your butt can't cash. 
And it's like, that's kind of like what Grant Williams is doing, right? Because you can't cash these checks against the refs. Like, it's different if you're going toe-to-toe with another guy, right? Like, you're a big, sturdy dude. I'm not saying that you can't defend yourself. But I don't care who you are. You're not You're not cashing those. You're not getting receipts off those those into, uh, altercations with the referees because they're just going to bounce you out of the game consistently. And then you'll get a reputation for being aggressive towards the referees. Now, all of a sudden, you're getting more foul calls put towards you. And, you know, we all saw that documentary that... um. What, what, who was it? That guy that was doing the referee that was like kind of fixing games, but was saying he wasn't fixing games. Donahue. There we go. We all saw that. And it's clear that refs talk to each other. And if Grant develops a reputation for being a pain in the butt, and we're seeing Tatum kind of reap the rewards of this from last year. Now they're just not standing for none of his, uh, his mess. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. I think Grant just needs to really end up because he's not capable of, arguing his case or being articulate enough to put things across in a reasonable manner, but because he's going to end up with a bad reputation with the refs and they're going to hone in on every little mistake he makes. And this might not be the only time he gets bounced this season if it carries on. Yeah. And I think that's the unfortunate thing. I, I don't know when this started with him, but Grant has started to kind of embrace this sort of brazen bully kind of role. And I don't know if the Celtics like, I don't know if they're asking him to do that. I don't think they do. Everybody I needs it though. Yeah, you need it, but you don't need like the. That's what Blake's for, right? Do. Blake Griffin's got a re- Blake Griffin punched out his own coach. Like Blake's yeah. your enforcer, trainer. Yeah, yeah, like coach, trainer, whatever. He, he punched it, someone out. So Blake a Griffin's team your, staff member. Yeah, so <laughs> Blake death. Griffin's the guy that's your enforcer. If you go, if you need someone to go in there and really bruise someone up. That's what Blake's for. Give him three minutes. Go in MMA, move someone. You know, I want a suplex and a fly kick. And then we'll pull you back out. It's fine. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're going to get pulled out. You're going <laughs> to grab you by the scruff of the collar and the pants. But if we need someone to get tossed for that sort of activity or for arguing with you refs. Got bodies. Or, yeah, like Blake's, the, Blake's that guy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? No offense to Blake at this stage in his career. He's a fantastic screener, great passer. But if I have to choose someone to be that vocal enforcer with the officials, I want it to be Blake. Yeah. Agreed. You know what I mean? Oh, Cause you need Grant, but there again, offensively, he was a net negative defensively. He was a net negative. Wasn't the Grant Williams we saw last season or to start the beginning of this season. So, you know, him getting tasked might have not been the worst thing in the world because he, he wasn't doing much on the floor, but that's the first time. And you know, he's still positionally sound. I'm not saying he's a bad player. It was just a bad night at the office. They all had bad nights at the office, Agreed. and that's fine. You know, do you think every podcast I do is a good podcast? I'll come away from some like, man, this was trash. Because everybody has those bad days. You can't perform 100% of the time. It's just not possible. Yeah, I think that's fair. You see, <laughs> I Tim just tried to right the state so, of that. So, so Tim, <laughs> like, had, how do Tim I had his mic on mute, and Tim was trying to figure out how to perform by turning the mic off mute. That's where that that when you see Tim just didn't actually like 100%. I psyched myself out. I I had it unmuted, and thought I thought and I it, had it muted, and then I ended up muting it, and then I see, had to so, unmute. It. So what's happening now is someone's attacked us on the fast break. We don't know how to cover, and now someone's about to throw a pick and roll at us, and we're going to get smoked. So we're going to call it an end. Everybody, if you've enjoyed this show, make sure to hit that that follow button, hit that subscribe, that like, leave the comments, do all that nice stuff. You know our socials by now. Make sure you're giving Tim some love, and we'll be back again tomorrow with some more Celtics pod goodness. Until then, 
Stay safe. Enjoy the rest of your day. Tim, thank you for joining us. Cheers, man. Thank you.